Hello, and welcome back to the Cave Escape podcast. I'm Caleb Groves. And I'm Ashton Goolsby. And today, we want to talk about math and... The horror. Yes. <laughs> uh, specifically, math and why it's actually cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> but uh, kind of like like some paradoxes or things that we come across as we study it, but we don't often stop and consider. Somebody had to come up with that. Right. And somebody to find that at some point. So the fact that we can even study it has to do with somebody's just curiosity at some point. Mm-hmm. And so, and like discovering it, and they were discovering it in the real world. Yeah, like 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 it's math is more than just you do this process to these numbers on this piece of paper. Like it's not it's not only in the abstract. Yeah. So now, like we do things like geometry. To me, is the easiest one to get. We do it because it's in a curriculum, and they tell us to do it now. But at some point it was put in the curriculum because it was seen as a worthwhile thing to do. And why was it seen as worthwhile? Because somebody had spent the time discovering it in creation and said, hey, this is actually really important in understanding how the world works. Mm-hmm. And then over time it became assigned because they were like, everybody needs to know this. Right. And now, especially I think in more contemporary education today, we just are like, I don't know, it's there. We just do it because... The teacher said that I couldn't graduate unless I did algebra right. two. Yeah. So we've just kind of been talking about some stuff mm-hmm. that we both find interesting that we just kind of wanted to have an excuse to talk about some more. Yeah. Just and kind of that we, yeah. yeah. To show how math is is can be grounded in reality and why it's actually important. Because another thing, what I was just thinking as you were talking about geometry just there was. And like same like people say this about algebra too, but I think the analogy is more clear with geometry that like I don't need to learn geometry because I'm not gonna go build stuff. Yeah. Like why do I need to understand geometry? And it kind of just feels arbitrary that like education system just decided that geometry is what we have to learn, so we have to learn it. But like I'm not gonna use this for anything. But it was originally put in the curriculum like years and years and years, like hundreds of years ago. Because yeah education was to learn about the world and to understand the world that we live in and creation. And so geometry is a huge part of understanding how that works. But I think that it makes sense to be confused about why geometry is in the current, like contemporary, like secular curriculum, because that curriculum is set up in more of a learn stuff to have a job. And like, if you're not going to use it for your job, what's the point in learning it? Yeah, Yeah. Because it's more focused at getting a job rather than understanding the world. Which is unfortunate. Yes. Fair. So that's that's part of what like all of our conversation with class, class, classical. There's the classical, <laughs> classical again. <laughs> classical education was saying we want to try to get back to this view of education as informing us in reality. Because I was, I was talking recently to my dad and he was saying there's two kind of pitfalls you can fall into. There's you can fall into one where is you study something because it's purely useful, but then we can also fall into another one on the other side where it's just we put the academics up on a pedestal and like wow look they're so great and just these fancy ideal things we can look at right but I mean there's just, there's this middle of the road kind of it it is beautiful because I mean God made it and it's ordered and it's wonderful to look at this order that God's put in the world because we live in that order but then there's also I mean it does have use at the same time. So we don't just study it 
in like, well, it's forget the use. There there is use in it. There's right. practicality in it, but yeah. also we don't just want to take it and just well, it's useful. We're gonna take it and make things with it and uh, disregard the beauty and the order of it. It's right. We want to study it because we can use it right now. You got to find like the middle of the road. It's useful, but it's also it's beautiful. Yeah. So it's worth it studying be for beautiful. itself to an extent. Yeah. But also, it does have practical use too. Yeah. So, like the the beauty can be studied for its own sake, not for a utilitarian purpose. Yeah, but at the same time, like there's that middle of the road where you you have to acknowledge there is use in it. Yeah. But there's also beauty right. to be studied. Mm-hmm. So not falling on one side of just reveling in the beauty and forgetting that there is a practical reason for studying it, mm-hmm. but also not going to the practical and forgetting that this is just, this is also something that is beautiful that we should also consider for its beauty as well. Right. And I think sometimes probably, we depend to tend to pick one side and go, well, yeah, it's useful yes. or this is just beautiful. Forget the use. And yeah. It's, it's a hybrid of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like one of the most, one of like the, math things that it's actually easiest to see both sides of would be like the Fibonacci sequence and the golden ratio. Mm. Cause I feel like it, it would be very difficult for anybody to look at that and be like, and not think, wow, how cool and beautiful is that, that that occurs naturally, but also not look at it and go, look how useful this thing is. Yeah, because it's used everywhere. Like as humans, we've developed like, like I think there's I forget like electrical systems based around it, and like other probably like computer things. I think using it, I'm not actually sure about that. I was just reading about it earlier today, hmm. but there's like some crazy things that we've created with the Fibonacci sequence, and the golden ratio happens everywhere. Branches on trees. Yeah follow the Fibonacci sequence. Also the Fibonacci sequence is uh, different people start it in different places. Some people start zero one, some people start one, one, but basically or usually it's zero. Or, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, I don't really, I'm of the opinion that zero isn't a number and it bugs <laughs> me that we start the number line with zero and consider it to be like a number, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> um, but each like the it's it's a sequence of numbers and each number mm-hmm. is the sum of the previous two numbers. Yeah. So, so like you have you, like zero one. Yeah. You add those together, you get one. So then you have two. You have one one. Those equal two. Then you have one and two. That's three. Two and three is five. Five yeah. and three is eight, and so on. Yeah. And so it kind of compounds exponentially, but like with each like the the ratio between each number is the same, I think, or something. Uh, well, I forget how the Fibonacci sequence is related to the golden ratio because they're like the same thing. So it's like you were saying, um, the two numbers equal the one that they're followed by. So you start with zero and one. Zero plus one is one. So the next number in the sequence is one. Then you leave the zero off and you just add the two ones. Well, of course, you get two. Mm-hmm. Then you add the one plus the two, you get three. Then you add the two and the three, you get five, and so on and so on. What it is is there's... Um, and there's things you can do with that sequence themselves, but also... There's a there's a ratio in there, of if I divide, um, if I divide the two numbers next to each other, I'm ultimately getting closer and closer and closer to this irrational relation and proportion that can be found in nature. 
And so what, and what I was looking at earlier when I was looking at stuff about the Fibonacci, it doesn't actually attest a person to discovering it. We name it after the person who officially wrote it down. But it, they said India, they had records of hundreds of years before that using the Fibonacci sequence. They had discovered oh, it. Oh, yeah. But eventually some, I think it was a Greek guy, wrote it down. And Interesting. What basically what it is, though, is they found there's this there's this pleasing relationship of like proportions of shapes of things. And it's certain things in nature just grow in this height to width ratio. Um, the, the most common example people give when looking at the Fibonacci sequence or the um, the golden ratio is the like the spiral on a snail shell. Yep. So what you would do is you would draw a box. You would start with the one to one because obviously you can't draw something that's zero. So you would draw a box that's it's a square one by one. Then off of one of those sides, you would extend it out to be two, and you would complete a rectangle off of it. Um, it's confusing to talk about without actually yeah. drawing it out. But on top of this one to one square, you would construct a one to two rectangle. Mm-hmm. Then on top of that one to two rectangle you've made going off a different direction, you would do a two to three. So you create this like kind of twisting and you can Google it and find people that have drawn it. Yeah. But if you look, they start with these little bitty boxes and they get bigger and bigger and bigger and they kind of twist around each other. If you join the adjacent corners of all of those little squares and rectangles, you get the this growing spiral out. Yeah. And if you were to look at a snail shell, that is actually the same proportion out from the center of a snail shell. Yeah. And so there's plenty of other things that if you look in nature, um, it pops up there. Mm-hmm. But it's also just, like, even in things that we make, as we make certain things, that's the proportion that we follow because it looks the most pleasing and we don't even think about it. Like if you pull a credit card out of your wallet, credit cards are generally, I think they're all the same size, made according to the golden ratio. That's cool. And if you look at, um, this used to be true, at least I know. Um, I can't remember which generation of iPhone it was specifically, but we compared, my brother had an Android phone and it, I always thought it looked really like long and skinny. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't figure out what exactly was wrong with it. One day it hit me. I thought, I bet my iPhone is in the golden ratio and his isn't. And I checked him. The iPhone was pretty close to it. I think it was actually, it may have been the... the That's super interesting. I think I, I have a 12. I think, it was, I think it was this one. Interesting. But I was like, the screen of mine, not necessarily the phone itself, the mm-hmm. screen was as pretty close to the golden ratio. But then when I looked at his phone, it was much longer than, That's it, so than like the width of it. And there was something about it. I was like, mine, I feel like, is just aesthetically pleasing to look at. Yeah. And to like watch videos on or whatever. Versus his always, it bugged me if he showed me something on it because I was like, it looks squished. Mm. Interesting. I, that's I was, cool. I was like, that's that's weird. But we we do a lot of the things we make. If you if you look at it, it's just a thing that has been ingrained in design. Yeah. And also and, like paintings and photography. Yeah. Like it's huge in, in those things. And like the placement, like if you're painting, uh-huh. like artists who paint stuff, they, they use... Mm-hmm. The golden ratio, the golden, also the golden spiral is like the spiral shape that's made with the golden ratio. Yeah. Um, to so it, like place things in certain areas. 
Yeah, so it's like a cool little puzzle because you can look at artwork. I, I saw one recently that was diagrammed out where you could see the painting was actually following the golden spiral based off of the placement of things. It all fit perfectly on the golden spiral. Wow. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So it's one of those cool, everybody knows this, everybody's working it in there. And so you can kind of look for it and find it. It's like a little thing to look for in pictures right. when people paint them or draw them. But it's also more but, than just a fun yeah. Easter egg that people are sticking in their paintings. Yes, they're putting it in there because it's a thing that's found in nature and it's pleasing to look at. Yeah. But also, they're putting it in there and everybody can go, oh, look, the golden ratio's in there if they're yeah. if they're educated and they know what they're looking mm-hmm. at. But it's, they're doing it because it's a practical thing to do. It makes the painting look nice. But also, it's a natural thing that they've studied as well. Yeah. So it's kind of that hybrid of the two. It's It's a practical thing, but also it is a beautiful thing. Right. They can use it in the picture but also it creates a more beautiful picture when they do it mm-hmm. yeah so it's more than just a string of numbers right yeah you, that's true which was funny because my dad made us memorize it when we were little and i was like i don't understand what this is <laughs> <laughs> but um after studying studying it more and looking at like art or literature or i think somehow it works into the divine comedy somebody pointed out at one point i don't remember that one hmm That'd be worth looking up if you want yeah, to look that up. Yeah, it's definitely in there. But um, it's all throughout like art and literature and beyond that. Those are human-made things, but then it's derived from just the way the natural world works. Like there's some, like you were saying, like trees and things you can look at. Yeah. Um, like it's, I forget how, like I, I don't know all the things that it is, but it shows up literally like all over the place in yeah. nature. Yeah. It's so like so everywhere. many things just follow that pattern. Yeah. And so like I said, it's that ratio of, the two numbers next to each other, you divide the big one, I think it is, by the small one, and you get closer and closer and closer to this ratio. So if I started off with like one to two, one to, so like in the sequence, we have one and two are next to each other. Mm-hmm. So I could do the one to two, which is close to the ratio. If I then move the next one to be two and three, if I put two and three in ratio, that's closer to the golden ratio than the one and the two. The next would be three and five. That's even a step closer than the two to three, but it's it's an irrational ratio. the The bigger the numbers get, and we put them in proportion to each other, the closer we're getting to the actual golden ratio. But it's irrational. But what is the actual golden ratio? The actual golden ratio. It's irrational. We can't actually write it out. But you can get because like even pi is a fraction. I don't know what it actually is. I mean, I could google it real quick or something but i think actually but with the sequence what it is is you're eternally getting closer and closer and closer to the actual ratio the further down this extending string of numbers you go the closer you get just ever so minutely to this irrational number that's interesting so according to wikipedia the ratio the golden ratio is equal to the ratio of the sum of two adjacent numbers Uh to the larger of the two numbers. Yeah. So like if you if you so had if you a, add the two numbers together, that number in ratio with the larger of the two numbers is what the golden ratio is. Yes. I saw that as well. That you can look it up. It is on Wikipedia. They drew out they have a diagram drawn on there I saw it earlier. Mm-hmm. So it's a line, you've got an A section and a B section. So it's basically saying if we took a number A and a number B and they were in this proportion, we add them together the sum of the their whole would be it'd be like a plus yeah. a plus b over a 
if this makes any sense to you. Yeah, if, probably if you can visualize if you look, math. <laughs> if, you looked, if you looked up the, um, the golden ratio on Wikipedia, they have a picture there that it sh- it's much clearer when you see it written out. I tried to read their little article before I looked at the picture, and it made no sense to me. <laughs> but I looked at the picture, and it's like, oh, this makes sense. Yeah. But it, it it's yeah. this, yeah, it's the relationship of these numbers. But if you think about it, A, A plus B, the sum of those two, the relationship of the the sum to A is the same as A to B, that's still just the Fibonacci sequence because if you have A is 3 and B is 2, their sum is 5. But then you have, that 5 will be the next number of this Fibonacci sequence. So then you could just do, now 3 has become B and 5 is A. You add them together, you get 8, which is the next number of the Fibonacci sequence, which of course is in the same ratio Mm-hmm. Eight to five is three to two because they're the same sequence. Right. So I mean, it's just working that out geometrically, which is yeah. the cool thing that I didn't know until doing arithmetic with Mister Spun. The hardest part is you could a lot of the arithmetic was originally worked out a lot of times in a geometrical way. Right. Like so most you, most math. Yeah. Can be geometry. Yeah, which was crazy. Because you can use lines to represent numbers. Yeah. It's like you pick a line and you say this length right here equals one. Mm-hmm. This is what we're counting with is this short little stick here. And then you measure everything else with this stick and you say this thing is five of these little st- one sticks long. So we're going to say that's a five and this is a one. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to examine the relationship of this this stick here versus the big five stick. Yeah. Versus a 18 stick. And that's so they would draw it out, and it's it's crazy because awesome. it's one of those we just do it now with Arabic numerals, and mm-hmm. we like do it on paper, do it in your head, or with a calculator. That makes so much sense. But then we would dr- used to the Greeks would draw it out with right. shapes and lines, and they'd be seeing actual ratios of yeah. actual lengths of lines, not just well this see this little squiggly line right here represents three, because yeah. that's really what it is. Like our Arabic yeah. numerals represent actual realities mm-hmm. like if i see a group of three things that's more actually three than our arabic numeral for three yeah which was actually when we had mr wilbur on i think it was in episode three he was talking about we should be we should try to emphasize with younger kids like counting with like pips or something instead of just saying two plus two equals four this squiggle plus yeah. this squiggle equals this squiggle Right. Making sure that they have the concrete. I have two-ness, and then I have another two-ness. And you can see two, and you can see two. But when I put them together, I don't have two and two anymore. I have something different. Yeah. But I still have two and two. Yeah. In fact, I also have one and one and one and one. Right. But learning to see it's more than just this squiggle plus this squiggle equals yeah. another squiggle. Because, I mean, the Arabic numerals, numerals are good for mercantilism. Is good yeah. for adding and subtracting, dividing and multiplying quickly. Yeah, so you don't have to like write yeah. 25 dots. But like Roman numerals, you're seeing that when you look at it. So right. Roman numeral one is a line. Yep. Roman numeral two is two lines. Three is three lines. Mm-hmm. Four is one line less than the five. So five is its own thing. But four is shown in relationship to five. Yeah. Just like six is shown to be so it's one greater in between. than. Yeah. Because it's kind of, they still have like representative symbols. Yeah, because you're, you're also still actually everything. just like adding the things together. Yeah, that makes sense. That's cool. So that actually makes a lot of sense of why 
that's how people think of math now. Hmm? Like you were saying earlier today of it being like this abstract thing. That's just like, you're just, you just have to learn how the process goes and then you just apply the process to these symbols on the paper. Yeah. And then you just, and then if you do the process correctly, then you end up with the right symbols at the end. Cause we're a highly industrial society now. Right. But this, but yeah. And so if it's because the symbols that we're using are like abstracted from the realities that they represent. Yeah. And of. then we've kind of divorced them from those realities mm-hmm. and we just deal with the symbols without, yeah. without talking about what the symbols are pointing to. That's super interesting. Yeah. And I guess it it can sound like we're like condemning, like we should just go back to Roman numerals. I mean, Arabic numerals no. are very helpful. <laughs> oh yeah. They're very helpful, but there's also, I mean, either but way. Like, like what I was just saying, yeah. we need to, symbols are great. Words are symbols. Yeah. But we need to. It's it's very important to understand what the symbols are pointing yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to actually understand, like what the symbols mean and what they're for. Yeah. Because if you're just dealing with the symbols devoid of the what they're pointing to, then you're not going to understand what they're there for. That's why everybody hates math because they don't understand it <laughs> because they don't know what the symbols are pointing to. Yeah. So the the struggle that we have because we use Arabic numerals is getting back at the more concrete. Well, what does this actually do? Yeah. What are we saying when we say 2 plus 2 is 4? Yes. We think, oh, it's just common sense. Everybody knows 2 plus 2 equals 4. And at some point, we, I think, kind of get to that idea. But yeah, it kind of is something that I feel like younger kids get frustrated with because they're not, a lot of them aren't as good at abstracting it out. You're that's, right. That's been a struggle I've had teaching fourth graders is some of them can look at it and abstract it out. Mm-hmm. And they can get it quick. And there's some who don't. They just look at it and go, I need to I need you to give me the process because I can't I can't conceive of this in the abstract. Hmm. So yeah. That's been kind of a challenge. But it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to try to help them see it a different way. Mm-hmm. But, but so they're like they're, there's plenty of places that math is I'm trying to think of the word I was gonna use. <laughs> it just escaped me. Um <laughs> like, like math is again it's it's something that's in reality and somebody had to conceive of a question at some point and then leading down these rabbit trails of some question that popped in their head, they discovered things like the irrational number pi or mm. uh, like square root of two. You can draw out square root of two ge- like through a geometric process and you can look at this line and say, this equals square root of two. But it, you can never write out the square root of two as a numeral. It's right. irrational. But you can draw yeah. a, like a triangle and a curve and like... A square and go this this line right here and this line right here equal these numbers and then this right here would be the square root this line would equal the square root of two in relation to that line there yeah if that line was one this line would be the square root of two that's the exact length of it you can't measure it you can't like tell what the length of it actually yeah, is because if you wrote it ridiculous. out it would just be an infinite decimal number yeah so like we can build buildings and be like this line is the square root of two Yep, and we can geometrically work out and create. Okay, here is a line, and here's a stick that is square root of two in length. But we can't actually like write down what the square root of two yeah. is. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and there's a lot of numbers like that. Yeah, but then there's even like beyond that, like you start getting into other crazy paradoxes. Even so, square root of two mm-hmm. was it was banned from talking about it at one point by the Greeks because they wor- <laughs> they worship numbers and they said. This kind of puts a hole in our religion of numbers. We we can't explain this number. Don't yeah. talk about it. <laughs> and then eventually they got out. But then, I mean, that's one we can kind of conceive of. But then there's even other 
bigger paradoxes that even still today we we can kind of look at them, but they just blow my mind. I like Zeno's paradox. Which one's that? Zeno's paradox is the one where, like, you can never actually like I can never actually reach that wall if I walk half the distance to the wall. And then I walk half the distance again. Oh, yeah. And then I walk half the yeah. distance again. And I'm just going to walk half the distance forever for infinity because yeah. there's always going to be another half uh-huh. to walk. And you so I'll, always I'll, divide I'll, I'll never again. hit, I'll never actually touch the wall. <laughs> I forgot about that one. I hate that one. Yeah. That one, that one hurts my head. <laughs> but then there's also, you got on to me. I was listening back to one of our other episodes, I think to put a blog post or something. You You called me out for talking about greater or lesser infinities. But that was one thing we talked about was infinity. Yeah. That paradox. Do you want to... Yes. Ex- yeah. So it's not as much of a paradox as much as it is our finite brains can't understand infinity. <laughs> um, but so, so I really like it because I really love brain teasers and I love things that like <laughs> stretch my brain farther than it can actually go. I like it too. It just, and, it really hurts my head. Yeah. So I'm... Okay, wait, how do I, how's, what's the best way to explain this? Okay, so if you have a set of numbers, so the set of all even numbers is an infinite set, uh-huh. right? So you've got, because there's an infinite number of even numbers. And in set theory, you'd say, you can say that one set is equal to another set mm. by, you can either like count them and be like, well, there's 10 things in this set and there's 10 things in this set, so they're equal. But you can also just do it by lining them up. Mm. And you have like a one-to-one correlation between everything in both sets. And so you know that they're equal without having to count them. And so, and people used to do that all the time too. I was watching this video and he was talking about how like shepherds would just like drop little stones as their sheep went through the gate. And then when their sheep came back through the gate, they would just pick up the stones to see if they had the same number of sheep without having to actually count the sheep. And so you just kind of like do this correlation thing. And so if you take the set of all even numbers, which is an infinite set, you can line it up with the set of all whole numbers and basically go, okay, so you have two. All whole the, numbers or odd numbers? All whole numbers. So even and odd numbers. Because if because you can line up, you can basically just number the set, the even number set. Oh. So you can line up one with two, two with four, three with six, So like you're four count, with eight. You're, you can count the all the even numbers by whole numbers. Yes. So like how, let's look up, I have a list of, like two, four, six, eight, ten. How mm-hmm. many even numbers do I have? I have well, two, okay, one, four, two. You can count Three, them four, out five. and go, okay, yeah. I've got five even numbers here. Yeah. But you've just counted numbers with numbers. Yes. That's crazy. So you can do that for infinity. And so the set of all even numbers, which is an infinite set, is equal to the set of all whole numbers, <laughs> which is because it's also an infinite set, even though that's even and odd numbers. That's crazy. I forgot about that. Yeah. So it's super know, weird. I'm sure we went over that, but I've, oh man, that makes and my so, head hurt. <laughs> yeah. So that's countable infinity means that you can count it. If, if that, that, is like, it, in that, that itself way. doesn't make sense. Countable infinity. Yeah. It just means that you can actually count it for infinity. And like, theoretically, if you could make it a, an infinite list, then you could name, you could list all the things, but irrational numbers. So the weird thing with the rational numbers is there are more irrational numbers in the set of all irrational numbers than there are whole numbers in the set of all whole numbers. 
You're going to have to explain yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to explain it now. <laughs> and this is going to be really tricky without being able to like actually demonstrate it because it's kind of like a, it's more, I, I know how to explain it visually better. But basically, say you have a set. You just have like this giant list of irrational numbers, which are infinite decimal numbers, right? If I take the first number of your first irrational, if it's a one, I make it a two. If it's not a one, I make it a one and I write my own, I'm making my own number. Because mm-hmm. what I'm going to do is I'm going to write a number that's not on your list. So if the first number is a one, I make it a two. If it's not a one, then I make it a one. So I end up writing this giant number that's all ones and twos. Uh-huh. And what happens is that number won't be on your list. Because even if you have, because like if, once, if you add that number to your list, uh-huh. let's say that's like, let's just for the sake of simplicity, you have five things on the list. If that's the fifth thing on the list, when I get to the fifth digit on there, if it's a one, I'm going to make it a two. And if it's not a one, I'm going to make it a one. And so now the fifth digit is different on this new number that I'm making. Does that make sense? Roughly. It, I remember talking about this one and it did at one point. Where were you reading on this? Because you were reading on this earlier uh, today. I watched uh, like a Ted Ed talk thing. And what's it. what's it called again? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not really like a thing that's called that. It's just... It's it this I'm I'm describing the proof for yeah, yeah. irrational I'm, numbers I'm trying being to a greater infinity. I want to go back and watch it later. You have to show me that video. Okay, yeah, later. I will. Basically, how it works is if you do that process, then you're going to end up with a number that's not on the list of infinite numbers, and you can do that infinitely. That's crazy. So there's always going to be numbers. There's always going to be irrational numbers that are not on your imaginary infinite list of irrational numbers. <laughs> Math was not my best subject in school. So I can appreciate it, and sometimes I can get it, and there's sometimes like this where I just, I almost get it, and I can't figure out where I'm not getting it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that one's really, yeah, I get it. Like, it stretches my brain beyond what I actually, because we can't understand infinity. That's true. So, but that's kind of, you just kind of got to trust that that's how that works if you don't want to try and figure it out. <laughs> so, like, testing infinity is basically just, it's kind of like, excluding recent discovery. Like, we had a model of the atom before we'd ever actually seen the atom mm-hmm. until recently. We had never seen the atom. Right. We had a model that's based off of, like, things around it and rules we could kind of put in place about other things mm-hmm. that led us to this this idea Right. Hey, this must must be here. What can we say about it? And we could start naming properties of it before we'd actually seen it. Which is kind of like what I was saying with like it, the idea of infinity. It's like some like even with like irrational or sorry imaginary numbers, they were invented at some point because somebody had a question about something that they just started they started pursuing it and trying trying to figure it out, and they had to discover this relationship, and they had to explain something somehow, and they made up a way to explain it. But then we started delving into imaginary numbers, which led yeah. us to other realizations of other relationships of other things. Mm-hmm. And then like the I, these ideas about infinity, it's like somebody just sat and had a question about one thing and they kind of started plugging away at relationships of things and eventually say, well, we have to, I guess we logically would have to say this about infinity. Right. And it's cool, but it hurts my head. Yeah. Or like there's like the, the thought experiment of the infinite hotel. 
that's probably the one I can get the best. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like if if it's all full, all the rooms are taken, and a dude comes in and he's like, hey, I need a room. Then the the clerk guy, like what's he going to do for this guy to get a room? What he does is he just asks all of the people to move up one room. So the person in room one moves to room two, person in room two moves to room three. And so then everybody just moves up a room. There's an infinite number of rooms, so they can do that. And then room one is open, so then he just does that. Yeah. But then if you have, like, an infinite bus come in with an infinite number of people in it, I forget. Hang on, let me look at my notes really quick. Uh, yeah, that, that one's the one where it hurts my head. This one actually isn't super complicated. And Everybody th- did moves you, Did from, you mention that, like, it's a, it's a hotel with infinite floors, infinite rooms on each floor, and they're all full? Uh, infinite number of rooms only. Oh, so infinite number of rooms. Because if you did, yeah, infinite number of floors with infinite rooms on each floor would be, yeah, be a different. lot more complicated. Yeah. So just infinite rooms and they're all full. Yeah. Also, this was invented by David Hilbert in the 1920s. But uh, for the infinite bus, then he moves all of the tenants. He he has them take their room number and multiply it by two and move to that room. So then he moves everybody out of the odd rooms into the even rooms. Yeah. And so then all of the odd rooms are empty and there's an infinite amount of odd numbers. So then all of the people on this infinite bus can just fill up all of the infinite odd rooms. And then it goes into like, what if there was an infinite number of infinite buses and like, how does that work? And it has to do with prime <laughs> numbers and stuff. And that one's a little bit more complicated. And I don't think we have time to get into that. Yeah. But basically it's like, I don't think I could understand it anyway. I can yeah. get up to the infinite buses one. And then we, I think we tried to do that one. And I was just like, yeah, Mr. that one's a lot harder to do. I think without some kind of visual aid. Yeah. A lot of these, the best, like I was even saying with like the square root of two, a lot of this, you have to see some type of representation drawn out somewhere. Because mm-hmm. just to talk about it, it's too much to keep in your head. Because yeah, it is irrational. It. Yeah. If you can try to visualize it, which usually ends up being an analogy of some kind. Mm-hmm. If you can visualize it some way as well as try to think of it in your head, then you can usually get it. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. But like we think of like math as like 2 plus 2 equals 4 or like I was working earlier. I'm working at Chick-fil-A over the summer. I had a lady come through earlier today and she paid me with a 20 and she, her total was like 1753. And I just looked at it and said, uh, okay. And I just kind of let her change before I even put it in the machine. Mm-hmm. I just clicked it out, handed it to her. And then I did the actual input when she was gone. So we think of math as like that kind of stuff. Yeah. If you want to be an architect, then study this type of math. If you want to be a rocket scientist, study this kind of math. If you want to be an accountant, study this math. And if you want to be, I don't know, a musician, musician, study this kind of math. I was thinking that like if you're going to be like a welder, then well, you don't have to study math because you'll never use math in your daily life. <laughs> would be the idea, right? Yeah, <laughs> but like, but actually, it's is, all. It's not just like there are technically different kinds of math, but they're all yeah. they all have a commonality in that they're like a part of like God's creation. Yeah. Like they, you, they all occur naturally and we've just discovered these patterns that God put into the world. Yeah. And you encounter them daily. Yeah. So everywhere you go, you're encountering math on some level. Mm-hmm. And Motion. Yeah. Is that's math. crazy. Yeah. But that, that's really like, this wasn't even something we planned about talking about, but that's why the quadrivium is divided up the way it is. It's a study of math because 
mm-hmm. they realized I said everything that we encounter can pretty much be explained in the in the physical world. Yeah, world can be explained mathematically somehow. Yeah. Galileo, math is the language of creation. Yeah, so I mean, studying math—it's more than just two plus two equals four. It's you're studying almost literally everything in the physical world that you interact with. You can understand with math somehow. Yeah. So you've got like the trivium of the language, of like how we speak to each other, and the arithmetic or the quadrivium is the language of the cosmos, which is math. You're yeah. studying math. Mm-hmm. I just made that connection in my brain back to the other stuff. But yeah. like that's that's that why really cool. that's why to me this is so cool because I mean, whether you're going to be an accountant or whatever, you're encountering math every single day. And so studying math better, and I always say this to somebody who was horrible at math in school. Yeah. I was not good at math. The one class that I consistently got bad grades in. But like you study it and I mean, it really opens your eyes just to see how wonderful like yeah. creation is. Once you understand it though. Yeah. Once you understand that these are symbols pointing to things that yeah. are like a part of the order and patterns that God put into creation. Yeah. Because if you miss that part, then you miss why it's beautiful yeah, and why yeah. it matters. Yeah. So. I don't know. I've gained an appreciation for math over the past few years. Yeah, that's awesome. And I've wished that I had had a better teacher in <laughs> high school other than myself. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was mostly self-taught due to homeschooling. <laughs> yep, yeah. Alrighty, well, we're, pretty, we're a little bit over time, I think, today. But that's okay. Thank you for listening. Uh, Stuff will be up on the blog. It's yep. uh, the Cave Escape dot blogspot yeah. dot com i can never remember the url that's so yeah. weird <laughs> and i'm the, I'm the one who's <laughs> You're in the charge blog, of the blog and he's the yeah one that i've been on our blog time. like twice probably we updated it recently so yes. it doesn't look it like looks garbage new. anymore it does not hopefully, look like trash yeah hopefully it looks somewhat decent and respectable now i think it looks pretty respectable oh thank you because i did the update <laughs> yes you did <laughs> um you did a very good but job. you can also email us uh at great at gmail.com uh, if you have any questions or feedback or anything, we welcome it. We've gotten some recently, and it's been really helpful. Some yeah. critiques of things that we said that we could have said better or uh, things to go look at. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have anything, feel free to comment on YouTube or Spotify. I think Spotify has something. Or you can just email us there if you have something. Yeah. Or Facebook or Instagram. Yep. We're on those. So uh, th- thanks for the people who have sent us stuff so far. It's been really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening this week. And until next week. Take care.